Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 75. We made it to 75 episodes of the show. I wanted to do something special for this episode, so I asked my wife, Kim Holliner, aka Destroyer, aka Mrs. Fury, to join us. She's got an art show that she puts together with some friends called Biting Back, and they've set the date. So it's perfect timing for that as well as a special episode. So I'm excited for you to hear Kim and I chat about stuff. And before we get into Kim and I, let's talk about me. Uh, so something big happened last week, and uh, I've been promoted within Original Strength to the role of Master Instructor. It's a dream come true. It's pretty crazy at this point how many of these OS pressing reset courses I've taught, and I just love that uh, I'm going to get the opportunity to push that, get better, and hopefully help some of the members of the team come up too. So I'm very excited about that, and thank you to everybody at OS for supporting me and backing that but also everybody that reached out and said congrats and well-deserved and all that stuff. It was really great to hear. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. OS is a big part of what I do. So that with the master roles in DVRT and RKC, on one hand, it feels like Pokemon got to get them all and now I have a full set. But uh, more importantly to me, how it affects my training is it does feel like, yes, this makes sense as this these are the systems and things that make up my training philosophy. The whole Die Mighty philosophy is combination of all of them so thanks for everybody on that hey speaking of os and upcoming workshops and stuff here's what's going on there's actually a few os's coming up this year but uh here's what's going on so far so sold out rkc's next week i cannot wait for that one feels like it's been on the books forever i'm really excited to teach it and seeing the progress in the crew training for it stoked can't wait then and then i'm actually going to go head out to the os pro in north carolina just sort of made a, a little bit of a last minute decision to uh turn in some miles for that then after that one the next thing we have coming up is going to be in june so on june 8th we have original strength pressing reset back at mark fisher fish mark fisher fitness bowery and then on june 15th i'm going to be out in normal massachusetts teaching the os pressing reset workshop at msc strength again in norwell so i'm excited for that and i see tina and the crew then on August 18th, I'm going to do the HKC one-day kettlebell certification at MFF Bowery. Sometime in between that OS course in June and uh, that August one, we're, we're trying to make some DVRT magic happen. So keep an eye out for in the city or potentially Connecticut, a DVRT workshop. And we are also looking for dates. They're not confirmed yet for DVRT level one and two in the city. So things are in the works for DVRT land as well. September 8th. I'm going to be teaching Original Strength Pressing Reset at ACWA Tulsa out in Oklahoma. And then the following day on the 9th, we're going to be doing the DVRT workshop. We're really excited to see uh, my buddy Dustin Ripito and his wife Kenzie and meet some new people. And hopefully see some other older friends out there. So I'm looking forward to that. And then we, the DVRT leadership team, is heading to Vegas for our Master Trainer Summit. When I come back... On October uh, 26th and 27th, we're going to have the RKC at Catalyst Sports. So we, we didn't have a level one at Catalyst last year because of some scheduling stuff. And I'm really excited to bring it back home there. And uh, that's it. If you want to come and take a, check out a class or train with me, I do have three online coaching spots available right now. That brings me to my 15-person cap. So I have three spots available for that. Personal training over here in Brooklyn is going off. It's been growing really well. 
and uh, come and try a class. Hit me up. Uh, everything is at coachfury.com. So thank you. And again, if you want to uh, support this show in a non-financial way, just uh, hit the rate. If you scroll through the podcast app on your phone and go to the bottom, drop five stars, it would be much appreciated. So without further ado, it's me and the missus, Fury and Destroyer, episode 75, the Coach Fury Podcast. All righty. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Was that really on? I didn't know that we were starting. <laughs> you sneaky. Yeah, I don't do like a whole uh, Wayne's World and three, two, and then you point Wayne's World style here. Hey, uh, <laughs> this is a weird one. So, folks, uh, co-owner of Fury Industries, Mrs. Fury, the Destroyer, <laughs> my, my wife, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kim Holliner is the guest. And it's kind of weird to be doing this, but I'm excited to chat. Kim's been in the background on a couple of them, um, but this is the first one. She's very nervous, which is adorable. I'm oddly nervous because she's nervous. <laughs> and um, we both have drinks to help settle our nerves. Might not be the most mature way, but that's how we're going to roll. And uh, Kim's got something really cool coming up that we'll just get this out of the gate. And then we'll, uh, we'll talk about her project and we'll move forward but she's got a cool thing that she's done with her friends eliza and liz and, and a bunch of other people chipping in um including myself but they're the spearheads of biting back nyc uh so babe why don't you tell everybody what biting back's about <laughs> biting back started in 2017 when there was an art show exhibit at the guggenheim museum that demonstrated uh, the use of animals in, um, in a torch, torturous, destructive kind of way. And um, it set us all into a certain kind of outrage. And from seeing that, we just wanted to do something. And we weren't sure quite what. At first, we wanted to just you know go down and demonstrate to try to get this exhibit pulled which uh, it eventually did, and um, the curator of the sh uh, show's only excuse was that they were worried for the harm of their staff, that they weren't actually concerned about what people thought about you know, how the use of animals were being used. It was basically demonstrating uh, two pit bulls on treadmills having to run constantly and not, uh, not I'm trying to... They, they, were, they were facing each other in a state of like, you know, terror and rage, like on the edge of like attack, but they were on a treadmill. Facing one another. Facing one another. Where they were constantly just having to run, 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 which is building their anxiety up very high. And uh, it's a show that's been running around, uh, been, been shown for quite some time. And it was just the first time that we were made aware of this uh, thing. So basically there was protests, they got the exhibit pulled, the curator was, only concerned about the staff so we were just still enraged by how the outcome that there was still no concern that nobody even thought about the animals so we wanted to just do our own art show and take it into a positive spin off that and to make sure that all the animals are shown in a positive light which um how biting back was formed so with quickly while the news was out there we wanted to get the show out ready to go pretty fast so the exhibit was in the end of september 
We started the show by three months later in December. And from there, we took all the money and it was all donated to uh, Animal Haven, which is a rescue <clears throat> here in New York City. It's actually where we adopted our dog, Ramona. And we were able to raise up uh, over $7,000 with the form of art sales, raffles, and we also had a petition that was uh, floating around that had started from another woman named Stephanie in uh, New Orleans, who uh, was just getting signatures signed to, in regards to the art show, which had over a million signatures. So through that, brought in other revenues and other people donating to the websites uh, who couldn't make it to the show. And it was just a huge success in which we got a lot of positive feedback. So we decided to do it again. So here we are in 2019. The show's coming up in May. And this year we're going to have all the proceeds go to Second Chance Rescue. Awesome. So I, I, I want to stress that when, when this... What was what was the museum? It was the, the Guggenheim Museum. It was museum. the Guggenheim. It, it's the 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 exhibit had two more than a couple things, but one of the big things was obviously this with pit bulls involving pit bulls at each other. And you know, Kim and I are, are Ramona Flowers, assistant coach of Fury Industries, is a pit bull, and another one involved like a maze with insects and reptiles under a heat lamp, and it, it caused so many of these to die that like fresh pets were bring uh i don't know if you call them pets but fresh animals from pet stores were being being brought in to like kind of replenish as it was going and uh the cool thing about the the gallery was it brought such an interesting mix of people because uh kim's got a kim's got an art school background so a lot of her friends are connected to the art and music world and it was a good opportunity to have artists we didn't know and friends that might have staff jobs elsewhere in design in some fashion or illustration, but be able to show their work. And man, they sold a lot. Like how many pieces were on the wall? We had uh, about Walls. 60 artists contributing. Um, anywhere some of the people would uh, do one to three pieces. So there was a lot of art and it was very DIY, kind of pull it together, throw it up on the walls, uh, you know, get it, you know, so everybody could show their work. It wasn't your kind of um, typical, when you say art show, like a, a gallery, white walls, and a very uh, pristine environment. It was a uh, very, you know, very punk rock, which is kind of describes us. So, and it just, it kicked up very well. And um, the actual exhibit was called Dogs Who Cannot Touch, or Dogs, I think the I don't remember. Yeah, and um, it was uh, these two Chinese artists, uh, art, oh God, now this is on I should have had remembered. No, you don't need to have all the things. <laughs> this is one of those weird moments where we can let Kim off the hook because it's not a normal podcast where we're like fact checking. I don't mean like we're going to say something reckless, but it's not like a normal Q&A. We're just chatting. So like, let the pressure off. I know. Just chat. It's just a conversation, babe. Um, but I will say this. She mentioned it was punk as fuck and it really was because... Uh, the cool thing was not only were there 60 artists and tons of wonderful pieces of art and that they raised over $7,000 for it, but it was our friend Matt. Well, you're, you're closer with Maddie than I am, but it was a friend's bar. It was, you know, a bar that we would go drink in. It's a cool spot, but not a place you would normally traditionally think, let's do an art show. 
uh, and it just fit in perfectly, although it was tight because opening night we had a packed crowd, which was great. I think there's like nothing worse than when you go to like a, a big gallery and there's like an opening night and it's like empty and it just feels like not successful in a way. And uh, it was an eclectic group of people. And it was, it was like really interesting. It was exciting that this whole thing happened within like, would you have to build this thing up? Two months, three months? Well, it was the end of September is when the uh, exhibit at Guggenheim. So we just, within a, like a week or two, we decided. So, I mean, it had to have been October. So October, November, December, literally. It was the first weekend in December. So two months. So it was one of those, like, let's call all our friends since I, you know, uh, have a painting degree from Pratt, my, you know, Eliza also is from art school and we just kind of like rallied and figured, called all our friends, our artists, asked them if they wanted to contribute, to, spoke with friends who we know have spaces and that's how we, you know, thought of Maddie. Uh, Maddie owns uh, numerous uh, stores, business fronts in uh, the Brooklyn area and we figured reach out to him to see if, you know, the bar would be willing to donate that space, which, they, which he did, which is amazing. And it just kind of fed off social media and uh, posted things, looking for artists. You know, people got wind and, you know, especially towards the end, it started flooding in with more people who wanted to contribute, whether it was in art or in raffles or, you know, just even to come come down and help hang the stuff or help um, with sales. It was a really uh, pulling together of everybody. You know, everybody wanted to help in some sort of way. And it was great to just raise awareness of that this is not acceptable. Like, animals should not be used as torture for art. You know, animals are our friends, <laughs> our family, <laughs> and not should be used or abused in any kind of way. And we should say the bar is a bar in Greenpoint. And, and Maddie is a co-owner, as Kim said, in several businesses. And I, I'd actually love to get him on the podcast one day because he's one of the co-owners of Three Kings Tattoos. And... They've got a, a couple of shops, one right across the street, basically, from the bar that was actually like a holding area for a lot of art as it was coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they've got another one in the Lower East Side, which is where I've gone to get from Alex McWatt, my work lately, that has done a ton of stuff on Kim. So it was like an extended part of the family. And that was like a really cool part of it where I think if we were dealing with more outside influences as well, their hearts wouldn't have been in it mm -hmm. um, because there was a cause motivational factor but there was also like a friendship motivational factor which created a, a, again when we talk about this mix of people like a really cool community scene that happened uh because at the night of the event there was like you know just like real raw artists and then there was like a little bit of the high you know highfalutin bougie folks coming in which, they, they didn't know exactly what they were walking yeah into. It which was is kind of like but it's like, like that's how i feel like art should be it it shouldn't be all up across and it shouldn't be everybody sort of struggling it was like this wonderful mix of everyone in different areas both financially and in their careers it was really cool from from my perspective um i offered up a couple of training sessions for the raffle i was an announcer there we should give props to eddie eliza's husband eddie for helping out a lot um, and also Jen Bartholomeo, Bartholomeo, see I got it Jen, I remembered the EO, you know, uh, for helping set up as well. That was sort of like the extended team. Who am I forgetting anybody on there that helped set Jessica, up? Jessica, Annie came down. Jessica, uh, there, Annie, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, a, a whole bunch of people came at random times throughout the day to come, you know, help out for an hour, two, whatever, you know, need be. And it was great, you know. Yeah, and during the whole thing, like, Maddie also, we didn't know, came from an art gallery background. So, like, after working in a gallery, so his uh, help and uh, laying out the room and what kind of process to do and how to price things was uh, extremely helpful for us as well, too. And how to, you know, it gave us different uh, outlook on things that we weren't, unsure of at the time so it was definitely a good collaborative uh, feel of everybody's backgrounds and how to get this um, all up and running you know when when i think back on when i hear stories like i was actually just listening to uh the blast furnace podcast shouts out to them and uh talking with sammy formerly of the gorilla biscuits and side by side and how like they used to he set up a tour as a teenager where you didn't have even with you didn't have the internet or anything where like you know punk and hardcore music fans we were just setting up stuff and i kind of missed that like we did some skate jam type stuff but nothing like that so i, I missed that and i feel like fury industries is a little bit of that like we're just making something happen here but this was like really like felt like one of those diy we're gonna make this happen no matter what nothing's gonna stop this uh not to say it was smooth <laughs> it was I certainly was from smooth. <laughs> super stressful um a few months over here at the the hollander house uh, and I'm sure that carried over, but it was it was an amazing achievement. What what would you say was the greatest struggle in putting this together, aside from like the Guggenheim itself and the petition? If we just narrow it down to the getting the art on the walls and running opening night, what was the greatest struggle you found? I mean, just like the overall putting it all together. Kind yeah, of what was something that was like maybe harder than you? Well, I, I mean, at first you just didn't. We just. You'd... I haven't thrown an event in a long time. I used to book bands in college and like post-college at uh, random venues. So it was going back to that whole DIY fact. It was a lot, you know, you're on the phone, you're organizing, and you kind of just don't know if you're hitting it in the right angle or not. So <clears throat> creating lists and spreadsheets, and it, as dorky as it sounds, was kind of a way to keep your train of thought together. And it was just kind of like reaching out, uh, figuring out what artists. So... Uh, Making sure you had the right flow and the timing of everything was, uh, I guess, a struggle. But it was just as long as you, with social media, was such a help. And with the constant posting and the constant looking and reaching out, it made it a lot more easier than the old days of just having to walk around posting up flyers, printing flyers, walking, you know, handing out things. Being able to check on things quickly and getting results fast at least made the two-month turnaround time <clears throat> go uh a lot, a lot easier. Um, I guess just the coordination of everybody and making sure that we're getting everything done in time. But I, I feel like, you know, we were able to nail that and get that done. So, I mean, it was bumpy, but I, I, I don't know about necessarily true struggle. Like, yeah. I, I, what would you think? I mean, I, I would say the, just the overall coordination of so much stuff coming in. Yeah, I Cause, mean, because let's face it, folks. So, like, you know, again, if I don't pull this from a fitness, you know, we talk about fitness people having like, you know, potential egos and whatnot. Um, you know, in the art world, having been in visual effects and gone to film school, like, uh, artists aren't always the easiest people to deal with on a collective whole because everyone is kind of like, uh, people are very proud of their work, they're protective of their work, they can be, um, not confident enough or they could be overconfident like there's like a there's a lot of personalities that come in with that and that's part of what I love actually about working with creative people 
But I felt like there was so much coming in and there was a lot of personalities to deal with on it that I think that uh, not that any one person or group was or one aspect was, but I think overall coordination was, I think, the the thing that you seemed I, I'm collectively yeah, as the group, not you personally, seemed to struggle with a little bit, like just making sure like everything because again 60 artists imagine within three months you're getting like potentially 75 to 80 pieces of art from 60 different artists and just trying to make sure that everybody's like who's even is this i think is a was a well, thing yeah i mean it was a lot of chasing down and following yeah. up and making sure the artist being like hey you can't miss the deadline are you gonna send the piece i mean there was the day of people were actually dropping off as we were hanging artwork and i was like come on you know, we, there was a deadline. You were supposed to drop this off. We don't know if there's going to be room on the wall. If we make it work, we make it work. You know, I, I have to say, like, you know, also, you're going to make a couple typos here and there. And there was one time I, 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 for one of the cards, I misspelled someone's name and they caught it. And that was a little bit embarrassing. But, you know, you're, you you got to just roll with it, you know, yeah. and be like, okay, you know, things, mistakes will happen. But I think overall, there, you know, pretty much there was, you know, it went off fairly without a hitch. I mean, I <laughs> think, was... quite frankly, I think the only thing opening night that didn't go off that we had hoped, and this was like... The microphone. was There was no microphone. So the, the bar is awesome, but it's like, it's narrow. And I was sort of asked to be the MC, which was weird. And but there was no mic, so it's like trying to shout over a hundred people in a narrow bar was was tough. So, but again, that's like if that's the problem you have, that's like wo a wonderful problem to have. Yeah. I also should give like uh, Liz and Eliza and Kim should get props for this because a lot of people have these and I do this have these ideas like of like hey this would be something good we can do whether it's for solo for business or whether it's for a cause. And this literally went from like, I think we're going to like, at least I heard where like, I think we're going to do an art show. to like having a date booked in a location was like two weeks. Like it didn't just drop as an idea like, hey, we should do that. And then we forget about it. Like you guys, you ladies like went at it and made it happen. Yeah, it was, it was all very fast. <laughs> what was, uh, what was like a, a, by the end of it, what was like a big surprise or something that you felt like you, you got out of it other than the reward of helping animals? Well, it was just the positive feedback from everybody. Like people asking, like uh, people who donated artwork that weren't from New York, that were outside the city, like uh, there was some like in upper, upper Pennsylvania that wanted us to come out there and actually put on a biting back event in their town. And it wanted it to be like a traveling show. And we're like, what? You know, and just enjoyed what we did that we were what we were able to do and wanting to do it again and we were like very thrown back by that because since it was so crazy and hectic two months i mean we were working our we had our day jobs and we were organizing this and you know just collecting everything we just didn't you know you put your heart and soul on something and you didn't expect that people were going to be enjoy it and you didn't think you were going to we were going to raise that much money and how it all came together was just pretty amazing and that was what was just a very wow factor and then now doing it again the second time it took some time for us to be like are we going to do it are we not going to do it and and then once we decided we we're going to do it and just again the feedback and the people same people that are uh we had a lot of returning artists Maddie helping us again with the space, you know, I'm totally down to do it all over again. It was, it's just amazing. Um, so 
I think aside from the accomplishment of making it happen, one of the cool thing was, and, and this will be a positive social media message, because again, everybody's overhearing me bash on social media, uh, is Kim really took the reins on creating the the social media accounts. And suddenly, like, you were doing an amazing job of posting and reposting and figuring stuff out that I tried to apply to my stuff. And she still will get at me about tagging people and shit, like, where I'm like, I'm lazy. I'm openly going to admit. You guys know I don't love doing that stuff. Um, so I'm like, I'm kind of lazy. I have my set hashtags, um, more or less. Uh, but you really did a good job on that. Well, it's, you're also, you know, yeah, everybody tells you about the algorithms and this and that. I'm like, oh, just throw it all away and just, you know, hashtag, you know, your businesses, the areas you're in, you know, if there's other uh, social media accounts that are within the area that you're going to be throwing an event, contact them and then word of mouth really just kind of flew. I mean, I was still, when I was doing more research for this one, I was like, oh, this company reposted us. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't even know that, you know? So it was, it's just pretty amazing how that this community based, uh, thing, which we all kind of hate here and there, uh, social media, that it's, uh, it really does can work in your benefit. So, yeah, that was one where, and maybe it is because it's not something you're constantly doing and it was new that got seemed to get a lot of uh, visibility. Yeah. Whereas I think if you just nonstop posted biting back all year round, every, you know, all the time, I, I wonder if that would push you down in the algorithm because it's not as fresh. But but pet stuff and animal stuff is interesting because, like, I put up a video, you know, um, Elizabeth Smith Andrews, the last guest, she has two pit bulls. So we put up, put a pit bull and I hashtag pit bull on her thing. And suddenly, like, I have pit bull people following the podcast and i wouldn't say it's certainly not a uh an anti-animal podcast that would be fucking horrible <laughs> kim's doing a pro animal and i'm the anti-animal no it's like we're not like an animal uh rescue podcast we believe in them clearly yeah. but it was just funny like i had like i think like seven things liked but what was the name of that thing i told you today started following me like sexy terry bully or something like that and it wasn't it wasn't a form of ninja. It was like a dog site. I'm like, all right, so Sexy Billy Terry's liking all my stuff. That's not the name, and I apologize if you're listening to the show. Um, it's appreciated that you follow me. But that's one of those interesting things in algorithm land. Like, I know Kim's got a bunch of coaches that follow her solely based on that she, <laughs> she's, she's my wife. <laughs> yeah. And I have these, like, animal rescue things based on her. And occasionally when I tag something with Coach Ramona Flowers, our pup. Um, so I thought for me, from a practical moving forward standpoint, I thought that the way you use social media to get artists and get awareness was pretty awesome. Um, Glenn Urieta, uh, uh, Coach Fury podcast artist folks, actually donated a piece of art for that, and that's in our bedroom. Uh, it is a pit bulls. It seems weird to be like, yes. hey, Glenn, your art's in our bedroom. Yes. It's seen things, Glenn. It's seen <laughs> <laughs> we should apologize about. <laughs> um what do you see now that you have the experience of the one? What is something that would made this next one easier to happen? Because it seems to be happening easier. Well, it, it, now uh, getting um, organized for the first one, you kind of knew how the flow to be. Um, the process of like the reaching out and um, collecting the artists in the beginning and then you collecting, you know, the, the, the process of um, the stages 
to that leads you up into the show. So it was like the collecting the artists, you know, who what people that would like to contribute towards raffles. Um, will we have merch this year? Will we, you know, other kind of things we're trying to in- introduce to the events, uh, the weekend events. Um, it just there's a an easier flow. I think it was just um, being getting so organized the first time around. Well, as I was doing it was like the, my main, my biggest struggle, I guess, actually it was like, okay, how am I going to catalog everything to make sure that I'm keeping track of everybody and I'm not losing things. And since I started that in the beginning, having it for this made it a lot more easier for me. So that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, I can't, I came across, I just, it seems like the workload's there, but it's, it's now that you know what it is. We also have a little bit more time. So we start, well, we decided definitely. in January and this year's event will be in May. So, um, since we have a little bit more time, there's not as much stress and rush, so which is great. And, um, you know, I feel like the flow is going a lot easier. So, you know, we'll, once it gets closer, we'll see the craziness begins. But as of right now, everything is uh, moving right along. And we'll have show notes where you can find the website. It's bitingbacknyc.com. But also... Um... It's at a bar and it's going to be May again and it's going to be thanks Maddie and it's going to be May 3rd through the 5th nailing it on the dates I don't think Kim yes. thought I was going to remember all that stuff but I do because I'm not booking workshops around it so it's perpetually yeah. there uh, I will say that I think the workload seems about the same but the stress level seems yes. much lower this time. I, so far, so good. Yeah, you know. I'm not gonna jinx it, folks. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it got rough last time during during some sometimes. Yeah, am I. I mean, uh, so this year so far, we have about 50 artists that have come through. Glenn, if you're listening, we have yet to hear from you. So, <laughs> but um, yes, we have about 50 artists. Um, we have a couple of dozen raffles uh, as well to sponsors I'd like to say and we're also working on a couple of surprise things throughout the weekend um, one thing I can mention so far is that so since it's a Friday Saturday Sunday Friday will be opening night and that's from 7 to midnight and that's where all the raffles will go off will be uh, um, raffled off that's going to include a one month membership to Fury Industries here in and, and I need to write that down because I didn't See, she's already writing me off because she's worrying about the others. Because uh, I'm the low maintenance one. <laughs> uh, we're working on something for Saturday, which I'll, you'll have to stay tuned for. And for Sunday, we are actually going to have a tattoo event. So there will be two artists that will um, give up their time to do tattoos there will be flash art that will be already designed that you get to pick from and it will be puppy or kitty cat or animal related themed die mighty logo well i don't know about that (laughs) you might have to donate extra for that one but and then once again proceeds will be donated to second chance rescue from that as well we will also besides the raffles have merch available this year we will have t-shirts and tote bags which we're super excited about. We're also hoping to uh, have uh, Young Fury Sadie make us some buttons for the event is um, too. So um, there, yeah, there's going to be a, a lot more happening. We have, um, yeah, 
That's about. That's about. That's kind of enough. Yeah. Name your art show that's going to have an animal rescue tattoos. <laughs> like, you got it. Yeah. Maybe we can get Matt Wilson uh, to swallow a sword or something. I'm, well, I'm if, our, our, if our Saturday activity falls through, maybe we yeah. might have to ask uh, some sideshow peeps to come in and... Uh, and uh, Tim Barron's going to have something involved in the raffle as well. Podcast guest Tim Barron. Yes. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a solid group of people, folks. And I, I'm, I'm really proud of uh, Kim and the ladies for making it happen. And, you know, it's funny. The more we talk about Maddie, I, we should get him and we should get Alex on the show. Oh, we totally should. Yeah, I got to reach out to those guys. Uh, anything else you want to say about biting back before we move on? We're going to move on topics. Well, I mean, should I bring up some of the sponsors or the raffles or no? I mean, we don't need it to be a whole commercial. Oh, okay. Not to be disrespectful. I mean. Is there something you want to say on it? Well, I mean, I. It's the first time someone's brought like printed out notes. <laughs> well, I just kind of like, since I will be announcing uh, tomorrow what our raffles will be this year. And I just kind of wanted to mention, you know, a few of the people that are going to be participating in that part. Um, we have Emily Grace, which is a good friend of ours, who will be uh, uh, donating a couple acupuncture sessions. We have uh, Maddie from Shop Three Kings Tattoo, which will offer gift certificates. We have Princess Fancy Pants, which she does. Uh, her name is Jessie Walsh. She does some amazing uh, custom jewelry, uh, foosball, uh, pet accessories, uh, some customized leashes and um, collars. We have Positively... Dog Street, they do some great, uh, they're contributing art for the show, and then they also do some like hand-painted cards and postcards and notes. We also will be having um, hand paint, uh, a couple of custom uh, painted, uh, a couple of artists that will be doing custom painted animal portraits. That's <laughs> what I want That's like a tongue twister. Uh, so... That's what Tim Barron will be doing in his style of uh, art. And then we have another one, which is uh, another girl who's also doing the same thing. She's called Hand Painted Pat. But before you go on, I want to give a special shout out to Tim, actually. So Toy Fair happened in New York. Uh, folks, check out Tim's episode of the show. Tim Tim's a toy designer, uh, bootleg artist, illustrator. It's fucking amazing. But uh, Toy Fair just happened this last weekend in New York City, or this weekend as we're recording it. And Super 7 is the company that puts out those, uh, what do they call, reactive figures. And they're like the Kenner-style retro figures of basically any cool license that's out there. They've done like Goonies, Firefly, Pinhead. We have, we have a Pinhead one here. We had uh, Jack and Gracie from Big Trouble in Little China on our wedding cake. And, man, Tim did They Live. He designed the They Live figures. So stoked for Tim. So he'll be there. And he can draw your dog if you win that raffle. But selfishly, <laughs> I want to win that Ralph raffle. I'm pretty excited to have Tim on board for this. Um, we'll, we'll have a couple of restaurants uh, that will be donating gift certificates. 191 Deckerbacher. Uh, that will be our non-vegan choice, which is not, delicious. We were there the other night. And then we have our vegan choice, which is a Terry in Chelsea. Uh, there'll be Bully Make will be donating a box. We have Ivan's All Natural Doggy Delights. There's also the Wolf Conservatory has going to be auctioning off a wine and cheese event where you get to hang out with the wolves, which is in upstate New York, which sounds pretty amazing. If you win that, dress like Danzig so you can pretend you're Danzig hanging out with wolves. That's what I would try to do. Kim knows that's true, though, actually. <laughs> and then we have a couple other more uh, people contributing as well. But, I mean, it's pretty exciting. I'll be listing it all on the website. 
and on uh, Facebook and social media, uh, Instagram. So you could I'll list off all the details, all the people that will be in our raffle so far. And um, yeah, I mean, we're just super excited. It's, you know, moving along. I'm really hoping that we kick some butt again this year and raise a bunch of money for Second Chance Rescue. They've been super helpful and we're really glad that we're helping them out. I mean, there's so many rescues out there and that's the great thing about Biting Back. And we really want to try maybe, if we keep this going, that every year we'll focus on a new rescue and try to help, um, you know, help all the animals all around. So, you know. All right. Check the show notes for that. We're going to move on because I, I think uh, I told Kim I was going to put her on the spot a little bit. It's not a scary one, but I think the I'm chance scared. that you and I are actually doing an episode together and it's episode 75. It's a big number. Like we're almost at a fucking hundred, which is crazy. Um, why don't we tell people how we met? Oh, yeah, let's let, let's go he there. Really <laughs> likes talking about this experience where I mean you do too though. No, so, I mean it's it's great now. I think at the time it was kind of like we are a, 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 a couple of the digital age, and we met through OK Cupid, which I guess is outdated now. Probably, yeah. Um, but but we met through OK Cupid. Kim sent me a message. And then I tried to respond and she had deactivated her account. <laughs> and then I saw she popped back on, like, I don't know how many weeks later. And we went on a date. Tell, tell, tell how the start of that date went. Well, at the time I ran into, a, uh, we were going to meet up at a restaurant on Houston Street. Um, I ran into a friend of mine and I asked her if she would mind just hanging out with me because I was meeting up with, with another OkCupid person and if this guy was going to turn out to be a freak or stand me up, like, would she, you know, be my uh, wing lady out of there? So I go show up at the place and it turns out it's closed. I said, great. This guy is really going to turn out to be a winner. So I was like, okay, well, let's wait to see if he even shows up because I figured I just got fooled again. So I was like, all right. So lo and behold, he showed up and I was like, oh, okay. I was like, seems like it's legit. He honestly seemed like, oh, I didn't know that the place was closed. So, um... I knew of a plan B and we went there and seemed to pretty much go okay. So So my side of the story was I was living in Bay Ridge pretty far out at the time and we train her hour. So it just took me forever. Um, <laughs> I should try to pretend like it takes a lot to put this look together, but it really doesn't. <laughs> like, but um, so I got there and this restaurant, Nolita House it was, right? I don't remember the name. But... My friend Essie and I would go there like every two weeks and have drinks and hang out and have dinner. Like it, it, I was literally there a week prior talking with somebody at the bar who's known the owner of however many years they've had the place. And all of a sudden we go there and it's close. And I'm like, oh crap. But then we ended up at like, was it a taco? It wasn't a taco joint. Where did we end up? It was up? like a Brazilian joint or something like that yeah. that I always go to. That was like on uh, Elizabeth or something like that. So I. Yeah. And then, good. uh. This is also, folks, you have to put this in perspective coming out of my marriage. I, I had not been on many dates in my grown-up life, and it was awesome, and we held hands. <laughs> yes, I had just gotten out of seven-year relationship, so I already uh, had tried a couple of dates through uh, OkCupid, and, you know, obviously they didn't work, so. And then we went out on the second date, and where was that one? Is that Rich? 
No. That oh, was no, third day. It was the day. High Line. It was the High Line, yeah. <coughs> yeah. And that beer garden. We, we first went to that. We met uh, somewhere all around the High Line, and then we went to that beer garden. No, we met in Tribeca. There was that, uh, by, um, where they filmed New York Inc. There was a, On a, Wooster Street? Yeah. It was like, um, I forget the name of the bar. And uh, we met there, and then we walked over. It's funny. I think I, I just remember, for some reason, that night picks up at that beer garden by Highline. But I will say this. Kim had her hair in these dual braids, and she wore this fish dress. And I basically knew within the first 30 minutes, like, fuck, I wasn't looking for a long-term girlfriend. I wasn't looking to bang around like in a shitty way either, but I wasn't looking for a, a long-term girlfriend. I was like, oh, man, I just fell in love again. I like that, uh, like that Tom Waits song. I hope I don't fall in love again. Um, and we had a great night. Like that was like a cool night. And then, um, then the third date was Bay Ridge. Yes. We were supposed to see Ted too. We didn't quite get there. What? <laughs> yeah. Parents don't listen to this. <laughs> I'm not going into detail. Okay. I miss that apartment in Bay Ridge, though. I did have a nice apartment in Bay Ridge. Yes, it was a very nice apartment. We've been out of Bay Ridge now. I've been out of Bay Ridge now seven... We're coming up on seven years together. So I've been out of there about six and a half years. And I still have such like a strong spot in my heart for Bay Ridge, even though I was only able to live there for like three months. That was like during the split struggle and trying to figure out my finances. I was still a relatively new trainer. I was less than a year in it. And uh, I just kind of overshot all my expenses there. But uh, I'm glad you waited at that at that restaurant. No, I was still cursing out. <laughs> I was like, for real? <laughs> he takes me to a place that's closed. I was like, this is going to be perfect. The, the other thing that we should say about Kim, too, is, is she's a she's a outstanding artist and designer in her own right. And she's designs apparel and accessories as her day job. But she's also the one that, you know, Ridge Carpenter drew the Die Mighty logo, but she's the one that makes all the shirts. Like, I'll give ideas and stuff, and, you know, we'll, we'll do a little bit of back and forth, but she designs all the Die Mighty stuff. And if I'm putting together an art card for something, I run a buyer. She makes the postcards that we use here. Producer Steve still comes through and bosses me around on the computer, so... I, I make it all make it all look right for him. I wouldn't say it's bossing around. <laughs> I just I think I have a pretty educated opinion. No, and I do good. let you have final say. I do defer to the artist when it's time. Yes. And we have a new shirt that's going to be coming out. Um, actually, I guess sometime in the week that you're hearing this. Uh, I guess I didn't mention this in the last podcast because the the press release hadn't come out, but. I've been promoted to Master Instructor for Original Strength, the Movement Restoration Group. So uh, that's huge. Thanks, everybody, for uh, supporting me on that, on that thing. But the, the, they had hired a, a, an actual publicist, I guess, or something to do, like a, create a press release about it. You know, So I submitted a quote, and it was like one of the coolest press releases ever. But the headline used the phrase, what was it? Internationally renowned NYC fitness legend, you know, adds, you know, original strength to its leadership or something. But, so we're going to make what we call what I'm going to call the ego shirt, where it's going to be Coach Fury, internationally renowned NYC fitness legend in quotes. But the proceeds for that are actually going to go to a cause as well. They're going to go to our, our dog Ramona needs a hip replacement. So from this point forward, any Die Mighty merchandise, anything Coach Fury, Coach Fury podcast 
is going to go towards Ramona's hip surgery, which we both want to vomit a little bit. <laughs> what do you think about potentially how much that's going to be? Here we are uh, raising, here I am raising money for all the other animals. And I was just like, and then our one at home decides to, hip tries to fail us <laughs> at a very young age. She's an old lady and she's only five. I don't know what happened, but. Yeah, she's got that hip dysplasia. That's a wonderful thing. But she's a sweetheart, and she's the assistant coach, so we're uh, we're looking into those. But let, let's put this in also now so that we're together. What what would you say as the spouse, either as a wife or when when it was girlfriend or fiance, that someone can relate to? What are, what are the struggles of, of being in a relationship with a fitness person? Because our hours are actually – I think it's an interesting perspective to have because our hours generally – are highly irregular. What's what's a what's what's that like to deal with? Like I know there's frustrations there. Um, I mean, I guess you could say some, I'm coming from a the usual nine to five kind of hours, so you're. It's almost like dating a bartender, or almost like dating a musician in a sort of way that you're. We've got opposite schedules, or when I do see you, it would only be for like an hour here, and you were gone. I, I feel like as someone who has a regular schedule, a lot of responsibility that involves the day-to-day -day normal things fell onto my lap and I would never see you. And then when I did see you, it was all about the kids. So it was a struggle, but you know, um, it, it was a struggle because, but I was still such an independent person that I was okay. Cause I would still be able to spend time with my friends, but it was still like, well, why I don't see you. So, but now we've found more of a balance and how to, since you've become more of an independent and now creating Fury Industries and bringing it to the home, it allows a lot more flexibility, but you know, you still very fitness involved a lot. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 tricky to explain. It even came up today at my folks' house something about the hours. Like my dad didn't understand the hours or something, or why are you working that? And it's that people need to train generally in the morning or after or after work, um, unless they have an irregular work schedule. And admittedly, the schedule that I try to work under is focused on finding those people with an irregular work schedule. But you're also like technically a freelancer where there's that hustle. There's that constant hustle. So it's like I've, I've freelanced myself. So it's like I understand like you're you constantly have to be making sure you have you're booked and you're busy or you're not going to get paid. But it's sometimes when, you know, me who with the normal hours and you with the hustle hours, you're like, can you put it away for a little while <laughs> fitness? Can it just be closeted for a couple of hours a day and I don't have to hear about it where you vice versa don't have to hear about biting back but that's only a seasonal yeah I mean it is the good season where I can be like you're doing it too <laughs> or I'm like okay Mr. Fitness I'm busy <laughs> yeah it, it's it's admittedly I, I think it's we, we talk about trainer hustle and there's a little bit of that like you know hustle porn aspect to it and People love to shoot fucking pictures of their laptops and their cup of coffee and the rise and grind and the blah, blah, blah. And it's a hard call. Like you really want to be, you know, it's, I was talking with our friend Robbie last night. We all had dinner at one, 191 Knickerbocker and Robbie's an accountant, high-end accountant. And he's saying how he just loves the math part of it. Like he's just, he knows what it is. He knows how to do it. It's a problem solving, in a, but in a processed way. And it could be, you know, we were talking about how that could be like a flow state or meditative, where for me, thinking about just numbers, 
it's a weak link for me. I need to get better at it. It's a weak link, but you know, we're as trainers, we, it, this isn't that type of job because it's so much human interaction. It's so much non specific variables. Like there's, there's the big rocks, but then there's all the things that come in every day. It's not about whether, you know, someone slept or ate like shit or is going through a breakup or whatever. There's so many things that change the plan. Someone gets sick. You're not making as much money. Like there's just a weird thing with that. And it is hard to turn off, but it, one of the cool things is I think, you know, and as Kim mentioned that it's been changing since I went, you know, independent and the kids will certainly say that they see the difference is going independent cost me some, probably like last year was the leanest year since I started as a trainer because we were starting a new business here. Like I've been out of MFF for two years. The first year I was doing a lot of the running around the city. So I was making some more money. And then this was the first year that I really went, we're going to do this meeting 2018 classes here and try to do more in Brooklyn where I'm not running around as much. So even if I am home, I'm not as tired as I was. And there's just been so much awesome upward momentum that I think we have been able to spend more time together and try to carve that out. The hard part is like, you know, I travel a lot to teach. And that seems like I'm going on a vacation when it's a work trip. So it's been hard for Kim and I to just go out and go do something together. She's yeah. just nodding. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, so why can't you be like a lawyer? <laughs> um, I do feel a little guilty that Kim didn't get to be with me when I was making a lot of money. But the day will come. The day will come. <laughs> I'm a happier person now. No, oh, true. I'm just staying quiet. <laughs> Perfect for a podcast. Um, what has what it been like for you now as, you know, so Fury Industries runs from home and we've always had this training spot. Well, let's actually talk about this real quick before we get into that. One of the interesting things when Kim and I met and we, we started living together is Kim, you know, very much went to, you were going to a gym super regular, doing what I think most people would do. Like a bunch of treadmill stuff and and some some lightweight training type stuff. What was it like to sort of start to try to I shouldn't say try to do start to do some of the kettlebell stuff and more of the stuff that I was bringing into the mix? What have you seen as as a what we would call a gen population non fitness professional person making that adaptation between being a fitness enthusiast but now actually finding like specific fitness methods. Well, I could say, I mean, I was a regular New York sports club uh, user. I would go every morning. I would do my routine. I could say, you know, I had my moments where I've gotten leaner. Um, would I say more fit or stronger? Probably not. So, you know, and then um, once I started, you started showing me kettlebells, I started noticing a difference. And uh, it, I really was surprised, like all the... I became, started noticing uh, more muscle tone, uh, started noticing getting stronger. Um, I know abs were probably my strongest uh, or hardest thing to try to lean up on. I mean, I'm still no six pack or no nothing, but I have from using kettlebells and other, you know, techniques that you've showed me, I've noticed some definite difference and more form and, you know, getting rid of the good, let's just say. I'm, I mean, it's still there, but it's like, but, you know, noticing changes where I didn't notice as much from what I was doing before. So 
at first I, you know, wanted it. I was like, eh. But then I was, I started doing it more. I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty interesting. And then I got more into it as a novice and, and I liked learning something new. And I was definitely into more because I'm not a runner. I don't have great knees. I don't have great ankles. Um, so I, I, running wasn't my thing. But I enjoyed lifting heavy weights, and I thought that that was like a great challenge to try to go heavier and try to get stronger in doing that. So it was more exciting as I got more stronger and then the weights started getting bigger and the heavier and was able to do more stuff. I was like, oh, this is exciting. So I did do the HKC with Steve. I passed. And you crushed it. I still want to do, you know, the RKC, but of course, when they tell me a hundred snatches, I like freak out for my, my weight and what I would have to swing is a little bit frightening, especially since I have, um, shoulder issues and, uh, wrist issues, <laughs> one arm. So, uh, maybe one day, but, uh, yeah, no, that's about, I, I've seen the light. <laughs> well, that's not, I wasn't trying to like use it as a cell, but Kim, Kim's, you know, she does a great job of basically, even if it's 10 to 15 minutes, most mornings, I'd say you probably train five days a week. You get something in. It's interesting trying to, as anybody who's ever tried to train with or train their spouse or significant other, it's usually not the I think best. training or working on anything. I mean, even like design points, it's like, we, yeah, you know, like training is like a, a hard one though. Cause like when you mentioned some of the shoulder issues, I'll be like, Kim, don't press. And then she's doing snatches and stuff. Or I'm doing uh, the sandbag stuff. Yeah, head, so, so she, so it's a, it's a little bit of that. But you know what's been useful in that of of Kim <coughs> getting into kettlebells and going through the certification and seeing what I do and, and and she does the DVRT stuff too with the ultimate sandbags is I had this I had this conversation again. Same thing with Robbie. We had a great chat last night where when you think of accounting, you think of somebody that's going to crunch the numbers based on the tax laws, trying to make money work in your favor. When you say fitness, you have no idea what that means, right? So for those that listen to this show, you probably have a background already in kettlebell land, maybe powerlifting, original strength, ultimate sandbags. You have this idea of progressive, uh, true, what we would quote unquote, functional fitness systems, better, for lack of a better phrase. Whereas for somebody else, that's you know running and that's not that that's not fitness but like it could just be running like i'm out of shape i'm going to start running now that is an aspect of fitness but i wouldn't say that is like probably strength training would help you before you run whereas most people think reverse you know if you look at the shark tank gadgets that go out there there's um you know the simply fit board that i mentioned sometimes i think the popularity is dying down but you stand on a warped plastic board and just do the Balance. twist. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's somebody's version of fitness. They don't really know. And it's it's hard. And one of the cool things with Kim is that she actually listened. Not like in a bossy way, but like that she listened. It's like, I have conversations with people where they'll be like asking me fitness stuff. But then they'll be telling me what they do and why it's right. And then why are you even approaching it? Um, and that's a tricky thing in our field that I think we still struggle with. So I, you know, one of the things that came up on my Facebook feed and Instagram is I suddenly started getting nonstop ads for a new gym. And at first I thought it was just a new local gym. And then it was for another one in Brooklyn and then two more locations in Brooklyn. And what it turns out is it's this big chain 
uh, that's coming in. And I'm like, what the hell is this? All of a sudden there's all these ads. So I started getting some, some input off of a Facebook post and it's basically like, uh, you know, you don't need any qualifications to become a franchise in this gym chain train, gym chain. And they're just good at marketing. But there's really, you have no idea what the coach's level of experience is, what the programming experience is. Is the fire festival of gyms? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say it's the fire festival of gyms. But I think, you know, that idea of fitness, like a new workout every day, well, that doesn't allow you to actually learn anything, folks. Like most of this podcast is trainers, so you all know that. But like if you're doing something random every day, it doesn't really give you the opportunity to learn and master movements and that's just not a muscle thing that's a central nervous system thing that's a patterning thing um and i you know those are one of those things i never try to be like you know a cop about form on the internet but when i see certain positions of things that might fall in the line with what i'm doing i'm a little bit like yeah that's not great for people and for a moment though when i heard the tagline i'm like wow that could actually be legitimate competition for me if i open a space in the neighborhood and then i started hearing more about it i'm like nope that's just like CrossFit using different things. Not saying it's bad, just not the same thing. It's just they're not using Olympic lifting. They're using something different. And I would imagine the franchise that's in, that's probably in, on purpose so they're not pl- paying a CrossFit licensing fee. Remove the Oli, make it this, franchise out. We can skip that fee and charge our own people for this thing. Um, not dissing it, haven't done it yet. It's not going to be what I do. So uh, I think just I'm using that as an example when we were at this big chain in Atlanta, I don't want to name the chain. It was a wonderful, beautiful facility. I've actually taught in one of them before. Uh, but the stuff that I saw on the floor was not great. And not just in kettlebell land. Like I saw some guy trying to jump on a three foot soft plyo box. But you know what's not soft? The floor on the other side of it. And he was trying to jump over it. He was trying to jump on it. Missing every single time. Thudding, no deceleration. And no one said anything. I was saw a woman with a really bad deadlift cranking her neck, rounding her lower back, and was like, should I go over and say something? Because I, I do try to like step up. And man, she didn't want to hear anything because she works with a trainer. And I wasn't trying to put the trainer down anyway. I was just trying to, you know, I was actually talking her up. Like, your trainer's probably great. Didn't want to hear it. There's so many variables in fitness that are so different to other things because it's like you don't know what that is. Visual effects was like that. What's visual effects? No one really knows. Design, nobody really knows what you do, but they know like a product gets made at the end. Whereas fitness, it's like, I run, I swim. I, I, I don't know. I hit shit with a tire. I don't know. <laughs> There's so many variables there. Anyway, that was a little bit of a rant, but I, I, I'm just like stoked that Kim actually drank the Kool-Aid on that. And a few of the people at this thing last night, when we were two nights, last night, it was last night, where we were at 190 Knickerbocker, I kind of gone through that as well, where they're like, this is what we did or didn't do. And now that we've kind of seen some of this other stuff that you and Kim do, we're doing more of that. And that, that's rad. Um, and Kim is actually the one who ultimately said when, we, when I was trying to find another facility to sort of partner with to do classes was like why don't you just make space here she might regret that decision i think that was actually eliza that brought it up or was it eliza? you brought it to me oh, was it me okay because i don't know i was speaking with her about it and i don't know if she maybe maybe i thought upstairs and she goes why don't you just do it in the house whatever it doesn't matter but <laughs> that would have been renegade if we went upstairs well but we now train yeah zach from upstairs yes um 
Anywho, yeah, I was like, you can do whatever the hell you want in the apartment as long while I'm at work because I'm not here from eight thirty till six thirty. So whatever you want to do, as long as I have a living room back to normal or at least close to, you know, uh, do go for it. See if it works. Though I, I maybe slightly regret what I said because I do live in a house of kettlebells now, but you know, <laughs> and there's no way of disguising them, but. Maybe some Indian clubs, some, you know, rolling bars, can, and, uh, can, you know, yoga mats surrounded can, by me while I'm eating my, my dining room table is, you know, become a norm, but, you know. We're working on it. We're working on it. So. Well, as, 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 as part of, like, the thing, but uh, part of Fury Industries, seeing that these people that most of them we didn't know, most of the members here, folks, like... I knew four of the members of Fury Industries before we opened up. Everybody else is somebody that was referred or a friend of a friend that came in. What has been for you on the periphery? Now, again, you usually only see the evening classes, but what has been something cool that you've witnessed happening here? I think that that time I was homesick and I was like, I went to the doctor's office and I came home and there was like seven people in the living room that was like random randomness. I was like, whoa, he's really busy at like noon. I was like, that's kind of rad. And I was like, you know, blue-haired guy. There was this, you know, creative oh, yeah. type. And I was just like, well, who are these people? Yeah. And I, I took a picture and I sent it to my coworkers. And they're like, oh, my God, you're sick. And you can't even rest because mm-hmm. this is going on in your living room. I was like, yep. <laughs> yeah, that is the hardest part. Um, we only run. We're still small. We only run a certain number of classes. But if I'm away... Uh, Optimus Prime, a.k.a. Well, I guess a.k.a. is Optimus Prime. Caitlin Lavelle will come in and teach some classes. If Victor's available, he'll come in. Though we haven't had the chance to make that happen yet. But it is like, holy shit, like I'm sick or I'm away and it's in the home. So that's weird. Um, but that was in particular too. Like That was like the first full I knew. That's six I people class at 1230. The, the interesting thing here that's I didn't know it was going to happen. So uh, listeners, you're probably, uh, I totally get this, but through the leadership roles and working at Mark Fisher Fitness at five points um, at the times, like I, I work with a lot of trainers. So a lot of the people I train are coaches and through Caitlin, I train a lot of people from um, Uplift Studios in New York, but also I'll get just friends from courses and gyms that I've been at wanting to hop in and take a class and that was a day that we had uh, a couple of friends, a, f- a few people from Uplift who are now friends, and then uh, Aisha from MFF, and she brought somebody that just happened to be in town, and it was like our first full six-person class here. And then sometimes in the evenings we have like almost full, but then there's like classes that are canceled because we don't have anybody, so we're still growing. But it's been pretty cool to see. I think um, for me. The momentum that's building, and I don't, I can't say it's unrelated, or I don't think they're, it's necessarily related, other than the energy and the atmosphere in the universe about it, is we're growing suddenly. Like the amount of people that have come on, even though some people have dropped off, in the last six weeks, eight weeks, the number of people that have actually been buying sessions and classes is kind of crazy. Now, not like big gym crazy, but for what we do here. But for me, it's like seeing when. They're all, everyone's interacting or names a move like, um, Jack made up like, uh, an ISO 
sandbag dead bug, he was like, it's the dead bag. I'm like, why the fuck did I think of that? That's brilliant. Or ninja push-up instead of rocking push-up. When people are starting to name and own stuff, Caitlin came in here and taught while I was in Taiwan and uh, crushed making her own cues that fit within the context of this. And then seeing results, like how people interact and see results. So Fury Crew, uh, I love you, uh, especially the, you know, the longer-term people that are doing online coaching or have been doing personal training, but the class crew, um, making that something that I didn't think I was going to have on the regular. So thank you for being a part of that. We're all going bowling Thursday night. I'm very excited about that. Um, enough about fitness. Let's just talk. Uh, one of the things when I was checking out Kim's OKCupid profile was that she was heavily tattooed. She's got more ink than me. She had a bulldog at the time. I had a bulldog at the time. Fallen legends, Marty and Mason are no longer with us. Um, but the memory remains and sometimes the smells remain in my head. Uh, <laughs> we're stuck in and, an old coat. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> certain sweatshirts and stuff that they used to wear. And uh, she was, we we're into a lot of the same music. So I'm gonna play this one out. And this isn't meant to diss any of the bands, but. What's one show, and I think I know the answer to this, one show that I brought you to that you, you just did not like? Comeback Kid. Yeah, weird, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, mine I know is Today's the Day. So yeah. when I brought you, so we saw Ken Mode, which we both enjoyed, and I was like, oh, you're going to love Today's the Day, and you're like, this is awful. <laughs> I just couldn't get into it. There's, it a, weird, there's a weird window of music that I, I've, I've sort of fell out where... There's bands like, I've gotten high and fire later through, really through Gaius and Lance at five points, and then you happen to be into them, but then like today is the day I had no idea who they were. Was it? Did Black Tusk open for that? Or yeah, what? it was Black Tusk. And Ken, I thought Black Tusk, Ken Mode, Ken Mode, Black Tusk. Yeah, and then today's the day I think was headlining. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, and yeah. that was the the downstairs of Webster Hall, the yes, studio, and the original lineup, of Black Tusk. Now, what's one... Yeah, man. I'm glad we got to see them a few times while he was still with us. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the lead singer basis of Black Tusk was killed, I think, in a motorcycle accident yeah. a few years ago. And But they were one of those surprising bands where, like, yeah, I don't know what I'm in for from an opening band. I never heard of them. And man, they were metal as fuck. They were great. Uh, what's, a, what's, a, what's a group that you weren't didn't know you'd be into, but I made you go or suggested you go that you really like there has to have been one i know who mine is for you oh i don't know i mean you were way into the bronx more than like i had known the bronx but i mean i think that the love for them grew a lot more but there's not one particular thing i don't think I think like the Bronx has become a very us band yeah but in the beginning like i knew of them like i saw them once but I, we we go religiously to see them all the time now. So. Yeah, if we're in town, we go to the Bronx. Folks, if you haven't seen them, and I, I'd like to get the singer on this show. So if anybody knows them, uh, let's, let's get the word out there. The Bronx is and deserves to be the greatest sort of running. They're not even new anymore in a sense, but they are the greatest hardcore band, rock band out there right now, in my opinion. Um, the first album in particular... If the Misfits didn't exist, I feel like that album would be that valuable and deserves to be. I put them on a really high profile. High. And the, you know, every album's great, 
there's a track on the second album, History Strangler. I probably Stranglers. Uh, I probably lifted more weight to that single song than any other song in existence. And the last album just rips, and they're always amazing live. We had uh, two songs at our wedding from their side project, El Mariachi, Mariachi El Bronze, and uh, just an awesome band. Uh, I will say a surprise band from watching, from going with Kim was not Bauhaus, (laughs) although I was glad I went. Um, another check off the list. Uh, if I think about it, I think Murder City Devils. I had never you even never heard. Saw them I time. never saw them. I don't think I'd even heard of them. I think I was getting confused with another band, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Didn't know what to expect. I still don't know how I'd classify them. Not that that's important to classify them. Yeah. But that one album in particular, I wouldn't say I love all the albums, but that one in in name of in name and blood is that the name of that album? It's not Thelma, is it? No, no Thelma's no. not the one. It's like in name and blood. Yeah, it's the like, one before that, I think. Oh. Is uh man, that's just a banger through and through. Mm-hmm. It's like piratey punk rock. I, I, almost has like a psycho, uh, but not but not, but not it's, psycho Billy, but it's got like this weird. It's, well, it's like psycho Billy, but like but C peer. <laughs> feeling nautical it's bizarre it's awesome we have one of their tour posters and i will also say one of the amazing things with kim um was also there were bands when we first started dating and hanging out more that she was into dag nasty i remember there was a mix came up off her computer and played a swizz song and dag nasty is probably one of those like joys of going together too where we're both bands now that sean's been playing back in the band of going to see them. But like the fact that I was like, ah, oh, Kim knows Dag Nasty. And I knew Swizz. And Swizz, like I said, Swizz. And we yes. actually told Sean that. We all dorked out and went up to him and were like, yeah, one of the things that made us fall for each other was, or me fall for you, was she knew who Swizz was. Because, right? That's what every band wants to hear. <laughs> um, anyway, we're rambling. What's your favorite horror movie of all time? Hellraiser. The first one? No, the second one. That, what was that one? That's not Hell on Earth. No, it's Hellraiser 2. Hell, was that Hellbound? No, I don't no. know. Well, because the first one, it introduces Frank, but then the next one is when they go into the mazes. So, yeah, it's, it's like Hellraiser 2. The cutest fan out ever was we were at Chiller Fest like two years ago. Oh, and I wanted and to there was a And there was a new Pinhead guy. There's a new, a new Hellraiser. Just came out actually like what? Like two, last month it came <laughs> yeah. out. Uh, you can download it. I'm forgetting the name of it. But Kim got in this like long, super friendly conversation with the new pinhead. Super nice guy. And, you know, I would say uh, we have our opinions on the movie. It, it, it's entertaining. There's been the a lot. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of bad, unfortunately, Hellraiser movies. Like for me, I, the third one was, it was like kind of shit. And then it got worse from there. But Kim and this guy were so rapping. And if you're in a Hellraiser, just know that this guy was so excited and passionate about the opportunity to be Pinhead that I would say support the movie just to, just for that. Because like he was cool. He, he was, was a super nice guy, yeah. yeah and it he wasn't was, Doug Bradley. But, it wasn't know. Doug Bradley, but it was super cool how to see him not just like, oh, I got to be Pinhead. He was like, I really hope people see this. It's just Because it was the 30-year anniversary. That's yeah. what it was. And it was like Hellraiser 10 or something. I don't even know. I was like, there's 10 of these? You know, but... Tell them what your uh, Valentine's Day gift was that I got back from Georgia when I taught last year. Was one of those tiny uh, 
Going back to the reactive figures. Reactive, that's what it is. Uh, Pinhead doll. So, signed by Doug Bradley. So, he just happened to find one in Atlanta. And what every girl wants for Valentine's Day. Even though I love it to death. I was away and it was Doug Bradley. (laughs) And it's just, I didn't, the weirdest thing with this one, it's right next to Movement Gym, the spot that I bought it from. Like, there happened to be a comic toy store the strip mall over from the gym from that RKC. That's when I taught co-taught with Beth Andrews and movement was on one side of the street. There was a uh, a strip mall on the other and the place was called plastic empire. And the guy had a great collection of like, I'm not, how did he end up with the doll? Did he actually personally? Yeah. Yeah. I think he he just had, I think he's when, when people come Atlanta has big conventions. So I think he would just go down there with like a lot of, he had a lot of signed Funko Pops and reactive figures, which we have a lot of pops because like it's, it tends to be more about the movie that it represents than the actual design of the figure. I don't love overall what pops are doing to like the collector market in terms of toys and collectibles. I'm a bigger fan of Super 7 in that at least it still holds true to like an action figure. Like mentioning the Tim and they live figures. Like I just am endlessly giddy thinking of, Tim Barron and I have a similar upbringing in terms of the shit that we're into to go that one day you're going to make a Star Wars style Kenner they live Roddy Piper figure like talk about like a fucking life like weird journey mission accomplished um so they just had a lot of that stuff signed they had uh they're the ones that just came out with the Misfits doll around the time when Misfits yeah. just played. Okay, the last that's the Comic-Con. same the reactive yeah, dolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a King Diamond figure. They're making the yes. Slayer thing from Haunting okay. the Chapel. Wait, is it Haunting the Chapel that has the thing? Show No Mercy. Yeah. The Show No Mercy of cover art. Anyway, we're rambling. Uh, hey, babe. What? Where can people find out about Biting Back? You can find us online at bitingbacknyc.com. On Facebook, it's Biting Back NYC. On Instagram, it's Biting Back NYC. We are super excited. We, If you're in the New York area, we hope you can come down. If not, you know, you can go online. We'll be having um, a section on the website with a donation button. So if you want to donate to Second Chance because you can't make it to the show and you can't buy any art, that's awesome. We appreciate that. Or you can contact me personally if you see something that I post on Instagram and you're interested in purchasing, and we can arrange that as well. So. And and where if where do you want them to follow you? I'm Kimmy D seventy three on Instagram. Yeah, follow her. <laughs> Kim's adorable that she actually like counts how many people are following her, and, and if they drop off in particular, <laughs> it's really cute. <laughs> so, so I always gain 10 and then I lose like 20 and I'm like, what are you bogus people? What did I do? And then I'm like, I'm figuring out what, what are all the scam artists out there. So, <laughs> yet Steve just keeps growing and growing and he'll hit like a wall of thousands of people. And I'm like, I can't even break a thousand. That makes it sound like I'm way more successful on social media. Like I'm in like the 2000 range. Still, uh, I can't even break But like successful is like 10, Whatever, 20, but- 30. What can I say? I'm an internationally renowned NYC fitness legend. <laughs> and let's end on that note. No, you have to tell the listeners to die mighty. That's how we end the show. Hi, everybody. Die mighty. <laughs> I love you, babe. I love you. Hey, we're not going to need couples therapy after this one. Thanks for listening, everybody. That is 75 episodes. 
up in the cloud on your feed. Thank you for listening. The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by the FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc for band, tour, music, and merch info. Artwork created by Glenn Gurrieta. Visit glengurrieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or follow him on Instagram at Glenn Gurrieta. Voiceover by Laura Palmer.